0: Welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo. I'm joined this week by journalist David Snade. We've got former Cork City man Neil Horgan and also former Dundalk goalkeeper Gary Rogers. Uh, We're going to be looking back at the long weekend of action. We'll also be talking about the next Ireland squad. I'll be talking to Shelburne's Abbey Larkin and P Mance on your Gorman. But first, um, David, I think it's very fitting that you're actually sitting in a car right now given your travails travails over the last week. Uh So the premise for this obviously is... You wrote a brilliant piece for the Forty Two, and um, with David Webster and with Bastian Harry. So, can you just give us the premise for it and why the car reference matters? Um, well, the car. Well, yeah, at the moment I'm currently sitting in my car outside um,
1: Abbottstown FAI waiting to go in for Jim Crawford's under twenty one squad announcement. Thankfully, it's only on the car in Blanche, so the mileage expenses aren't as going to be as uh, as great. Um, yeah, now the premise for the article, I was kind of thinking, I like known obviously Dave Webster for a few years and I knew I knew last season obviously he was travelling up and basically there was no room for me in the car last year because there was still a few lads uh, travelling up and back like uh, Sean Boyd obviously was now at Shells and Adam Foley who's at a is it isn't it Um, so I, as I was saying to him I was just waiting for one of them to uh, at least one of them to get sold or to, to live so I could uh, bunk into the car and yeah the original, the original premise for it was just to kind of talk about just some of the like Finn Harps, like the Great Survivors. Actually, I'm raging now because in, in hindsight, the, the article should have been called like "Drive to Survive" or something. So, like that's that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah, or, you um, might you
0: might get sued by Netflix for that now. I know. Yeah, true, <laughs> true,
1: true. Well, the lawyer the lawyers of the 42 can look after that. Um, but yeah, and it, so it was just a base, just kind of to go through, kind of just some of the They have to the travel, and like the lads went on. They have to travel, and that footballers do. Um, and for a lot of the time I'd say You probably feel as if It was for very little reward You know And then The time that the article how it, how it worked out It kind it of coincided And it kind of coincided With everything that's going on now And you see what's happening Say in the Premier League And all the stuff that's going on With Chelsea And even that day There was stuff about the sanctions And all And it's just It was just, it was just a completely different Side of football You know Just two lads as well Who were from the complete Well different Different parts of the world But have very similar backgrounds In terms of Like Bastion Live for well, ten minutes from Disneyland Paris and grew up just wanting to play football, playing football all the time. Dave Webster from Fairhouse in Dublin, the exact same, you know. So, kind of two lads from different parts of the world, but just, just the, the exact same backgrounds, really. You know, in terms of love football and now sharing a car from Dublin going up to Donegal, and just how we can bring people together and just the conversations and hopefully just a bit of an insight into the kind of the depth of feeling between the two lads as well, you know, because I think it came true that. Like the two, the two, as I was saying before we before we started, like it could have been maybe very different if it was two lads who didn't like each other. Because I'm sure there's probably teammates out there who probably <laughs> who probably could sit beside each other for about three hours and not say a word. But the two lads just bounced off each other and it just made my job very easy because all I had to do was literally sit sit in the back and let them bounce off each other. It was good crackly.
0: Yeah, Ollie Horgan comes across well. We all we all know he's a great character anyway, but it, just in terms of the trust he gives to these players, because they kind yeah. of outline it. Like he comes across such a great, like such a great manager, uh, man manager particularly, and great character as well. Yeah,
1: I'd say a part of that is he kind of I suppose he has to kind of make some allowances, you know. Because he's like I made the point that if, if Oli Horgan is calling you in the League of Ireland, it's probably close to your last resort, you know. That's <laughs> that's and that's what the lads were saying, and that's why it was so enjoyable because they were so upfront about it. Like Dave Webster was saying, like when he he got released by Rovers and he was getting a few calls, he obviously went to to Pats and stuff, but when he left Pats, the phone stopped ringing, you know, Warford and all, like, the phone had stopped ringing by the time he was gone to Finn Harps and it took him a while to actually, the first time Ollie got in touch with him, he said, listen, Ollie came down to meet him in Dublin and he was like, I would sign for you now if you live closer to where I live, but I want to just wait and see if I can get anything else that's closer to to where I live and where he was working and, and stuff and, that is the big thing with Ollie, like it is that kind of the sense of trust, like you speak to the people around the club and how much, just how much work he puts in and the, the travelling that, the travelling that he, uh, the travelling that you would do and the length that you would go to and I think he was ready to go to Madagascar if Bastion had been in Madagascar instead of Paris. Although he's making the point, it's very easy, it's very easy for Ollie to try and swing it to go to Paris, to sell that, to go and have to come and sign a player in Paris. Like he could have, he could have made like a, a 25 minute phone call into a long weekend if he wanted to. But, uh, but he doesn't do that He just goes everywhere Like he actually Like it was websites, David was telling me after Like one game where They got a good result Towards the end of last season They were celebrating And stuff And he was like Wanting to get wanting to get uh, Ollie involved And he was already on the boat Going to Scotland To try and meet a player So now he just yeah Like like That's probably going to be The next one Is to try and get on the
0: On the road with Ollie Hargan But he's an elusive man He really is <laughs>
1: clock, clock up
2: the miles there
0: Oh stop yeah yeah, I think a trip to Madagascar and picturing Ollie Horgan out there would have been quite interesting anyway. I but um, I suppose, Neil, um, as we said, um, like the challenge for Finn Hart and for Ollie Horgan, like, I mean, they've been back in the top division now for a few years. But it seems like this year is probably the toughest one he's, he's had to face in terms of cobbling together to a squad and just the, how I suppose some of those other teams have strengthened as well around
3: them. Yeah, we've probably said that every year for him as well, to be fair to him, that he seems to pull it out of the hat, you know. I thought David's art was very good because, from my own point of view, and I'd say Gary might be similar when he gets around to reading it, um, is that it it brought me back to kind of when I was playing and and the magic of having kind of the international influence and players from outside your kind of, I suppose, range of experience uh, travelling in a car or on a bus, you know. And one, one story reminds me of kind of just off the bat, I know Bastian's from France, like, but we we had two Lithuanian guys and um, Gregor Halloran, who's a kind of joker, uh, and he would have played in a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of clubs, so fellas would know that. He used to do this to all kind of the international fellas, which was uh, when we were traveling to Derry to play Derry, he'd kind of um, do this kind of scenario at the top of the bus to, to pretend he was talking to the manager and, and then come back and say, has everyone got their passports and pretend that they have their passports and the lads, the two lads at the back, the Lithuanian lads, thinking they need their passports to go to Derry, and <laughs> and and losing it like, on, I, I've I no passport, I've no." So like, there is a lovely thing that happens that you probably don't get when you're playing GA, or you know, just because of the nature of it. Not always, I suppose. Um, and it, 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 David's art was very good, and and the travelling part to that as well, it, which was in the article too, and and of course Finn Harps, like you said, Raph, uh, every every year it seems like he pulls it out, and he, he's had to go. I'm looking at his squad and, and there's a lot of players there who, with international uh, kind of calibre or coming from outside. He's had to kind of go to further lengths, it seems, to try and stay up. It, it seems yeah. to me just starting off, looking at the league, we're only whatever, six or seven games in, that there seems to be almost a demarcation line already between the top, I, I would say the bottom three and the rest. Um, I, I know that might change, but but it seems like, you, you know, um, Drogheda... Um, Finn Harps and is it UCD Uh, you know it it looks like there's a gap between them and maybe Shelburne don't seem to be in that group Um, and so that's going to be difficult but he's pulled it off before I've no doubt he'll do it again you know.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss uh, the long weekend of action, so obviously there were two rounds of action um, over the weekend, Friday and Monday, and that's going to come up, but you said the word international there a few times, and that is what we're going to switch to next, which is Stephen Kenny and an Ireland squad that is going to be named very, very soon. It's also come just after he has been confirmed to be in charge until Euro 2024, but first let's listen to a clip of him, and then we'll discuss what's to come with the squad and with Kenny.
4: It's only a minor delay, really. Like I mean, from from Christmas to March, we're here now. It's March. It's signed. So you know, there's a lot, a lot of. It's not just myself. You know, you've got to um, with the whole background team that we've got to address and so forth. So I think it's uh, we're, we're delighted. Listen, this is a good thing. We're not looking back and say why did it take three months rather than a month or whatever. Like I think it's a, it's you know the, the whole board of the FAI, the whole wider sphere and so forth. And. A lot of things have to have to be managed in a big organisation like this, you know. I think uh, so. That's. I think it's a uh, it's a relevant dream, you know. The the, the only thing that matters is that it's signed now and we can move forward. You know? Yeah, if I can add to that, Stephen, mm-hmm. it was generally just the to and fro of a, a of a negotiation. Stephen wanted to get the contract right from his own perspective. We wanted it to be right for the association as well. Uh, we met in early December and we had a very uh, positive meeting at that point. Uh, Stephen made it clear that he also wanted um, the contract to Keith Andrews and the, uh, the rest of the coaching staff to be agreed as part of that process. So we added that into the mix as well. And uh, yeah, we felt actually that we, um, we, we did it in a reasonable time. And the most important thing is that we've got the right um, contracts and the right parameters for us to move forward. And it hasn't been straightforward, of course. We've had to, you know, um, come through a, a difficult period, and I think um, so. Yeah, I think it's great that we can really focus on. You know, it's pretty clear now. You know, we just focus on the on getting the team ready for for the friendlies and for the Nations League, and because uh, we've rebuilt the team, so we're not looking to overly experiment anymore. Now we know what we have now, and we. Um, We've, you know, we've completely. There's a great, great connection between the experienced players in the squad, who are brilliant professionals, brilliant role models for for the younger players who've come in. And um, there is a great sort of uh, spirit in the squad. You feel that over the last ten games, particularly, and over the last campaign, really. Don't at times, you know. I know we've played better in some matches than others, but um, you can feel it growing, and um, I feel we're going to get better again.
0: All right so that was uh or that was Ireland manager Stephen Kenny speaking last week so the first part of that it's discussing how long it took for the contract uh, to come together because obviously the campaign uh ended way back in November and then it's up until March here that it's been announced that he's uh, staying on. The other voice as well, um, FAI CEO, Jonathan Hill. And then the final part of that, of course, he was talking about the squad building they've had to do. I suppose, David, um, what wasn't in that clip, what was addressed in the in the press conference last week was the need for replacement for Anthony Barry. And Kenny has talked about that coming pretty soon uh, ahead of these March friendlies. Uh, that has to be fundamental, though, given how, how important uh, Barry was to the progress that Ireland made last year.
1: Yeah, like, it'd be, it's going to be interesting because, like, the appointment of Anthony Barry in the first place kind of came from a little bit of left field. I know he obviously would have worked with R- Rory Higgins before, who obviously has since left the the setup as well. So there was a connection there. Like, I know Kenny, Stephen Kenny and Anthony Barry would have met a few times before, obviously, he was appointed in terms of having chats about football and all the rest of it, and kind of seeing if they could actually work together and if it was a good fit. And I think it became clear pretty quickly that, that, it, that, it, that it would be. Um. Like it was an interesting, like, even tying in with the whole negotiations around the contract because there was this narrative narrative that kind of came that afterwards that the kind of the good upturn and form with the setup was obviously mostly down to Anthony Barty and was kind of underplaying maybe the efforts that Stephen Kenny would have had in this. Clearly, it was. It was a bit of both obviously in terms of the coaching aspect of it with Anthony Barney on the on the on the training pitch, but like it was also very clear that you could see Stephen Kenny's influence as a manager coming through in terms of building that that connection, but also getting the messages across. And like I did a piece for the 42 in December, looking basically speaking to various people just within the, the, the current setup and around the FAI and getting a sense of well, how did the year go? Because if you look at where it started where it ended. Like a lot, it's a major turnaround. Like a lot of people wouldn't, maybe a lot of people on the outside wouldn't have expected Stephen Kenny to be able to turn things around in the to the manner of what he did. And one reference point that kept on coming back to me from doing from speaking to people was the training camp that Ireland had in Spain during the summer when obviously he got the first win against Andorra. Now Anthony Barry wasn't there for the first part of that because obviously Chelsea were in, were involved with the Champions League final. And speaking to players and even staff then that was a point where the connection between Stephen Kenny and some of the players and the messages that he was getting across as was put to me was basically things clicked. And then you tie that into the work that was continually being done on the training pitch. And that's when the turnaround obviously uh, began. And that didn't go unnoticed even within within the FAI in terms of when the contract negotiations would have started properly. When I think uh, Jonathan Hill mentioned that he first met in December, I think he met in Sheffield, but, even people within the FAA board who and I would have been a bit skeptical of well, what's where is this going? What's actually happening? The manner of how Stephen Kenny was able to keep the show on the road, essentially, and not have a very bad year that started to kind of escalate or get, get even worse, that would kind of tip the scales in their sense of, well, this is what this is the fellow who we need to trust here. This is the fellow who brought in Anthony Barty. and this is where we need to go forward. So I think it, it was referenced there but that it, it wasn't done over the course of, a, of over a couple of weeks and done like getting the contract done and that just comes down and Gary will be able to will notice that just comes down as well to Stephen Kenny making sure that the deal was right for him as well like not just being right. well get this sorted get it done and dusted and get it done over a handshake and a cappuccino it was a case of making sure everything was right for him and the staff and also because think about like I don't think it would have went down if he just was looking out for number one, get his part of the deal, so and get that sorted and then you look after the people who are there working because it's, what he's buying into is this whole, the whole group together and it was making sure that all his staff were, were looked after too and that was, as it was made, re- reference to there by, by Jonathan Hill but even within the staff as well, it was, that was a big thing and you need that together especially at international mm-hmm. level and I think that will hopefully tell in the, the, in the following year when as Stephen Kenny mentioned there, it's about kicking on now and getting that level of consistency and building on it and maintaining
0: it yeah and Belgium and Lithuania are the games that are coming up towards the end of the month on the 26th and the 29th uh, two very very different channel- challenges obviously friendlies but still at the same time they, uh, as you said there is a something has is building there and something is brewing and the squad seems very settled but obviously there are a couple of injuries Adam Ida Andrew Oma, Oma Bamadele both of those probably um, won't be involved anyway. But Gary, like, who would you like to see kind of brought in, maybe just to fill out parts of the squad and to maybe be given a bit of a chance as well?
2: Yeah, well, you look at you look at probably Conor Ronan and he's kind of probably similar to Jamie McGrath in terms of what he, he did last year. This time last year, we we're talking about him coming into the squad, and Conor Ronan is doing a really good job for St. Mary. Obviously scored a great goal the weekend. So you'll probably see the likes of him coming in. And um, Darrochet is back for, from, uh, from injury as well. So he would probably come back into the group, having been missing for a while. So, um, you know, there, there's lots of different options there. And I think, you know, you'll probably see maybe three or four new faces come into this squad um, for the two friendies. And Because Steven does know the nucleus of his squad from, you know, his, his tenure already. So he's experimented and he, he's got a good grasp of it he probably used the two games to maybe experiment a little bit more. But have a, a kind of a core group there. But like I do think Conor O'neill possibly might come in the ten. I know he played for Stephen in the under twenty ones in that ten position, so he's a player that I wouldn't be surprised to see come into into the equation.
0: And Neil, for yourself in terms of uh, additions to the squad um, for these uh, for these two games, like who would you like to see um, brought in? Obviously, maybe it would be filling out cert- where there's certain yeah. people Quite- available through injury.
3: I think looking back at the games and the improvements that David has referred to, I'd agree with Gary in in general in that I think that whilst he might do a tiny bit more experiment thing, I think I'd like to see it kind of, you know, fixing a team and, you know, a a 16 that he can rely upon. Um, And maybe the likes of Conor Ronan. I think perhaps up front is where we need probably to to experiment a little bit more. Personally, uh, I think at the back, he's got experience. He's got uh, Dara coming back into the team. He's got experience. the midfield has kind of worked out well um, in, the, in the last few games as well. I think up front is where he might do a little bit more experimenting and maybe Conor Ronan. But I've been very encouraged. Um, I think everyone has, I suppose. But by the way that I know he referred to it in that clip you showed, uh, the, the blend of youth and experience. And you can see that. I, I know as a former League of Ireland player, I think Seamus Coleman has been brilliant, absolutely brilliant with Ireland. I know he's kind of been left out of the team at one point. <clears throat> he's come back in. He's under pressure, it seems at Everton. I am not sure, you know, that could be just a, a passing thing or not. I know they're they're down at the end of the league. But I have to say the likes of him, Duffy coming back, they've shown real leadership to the young guys around them and, and like that bodes well um for the future. And I, I'd like to see those guys still in the team coming into twenty twenty four if possible. Like
5: that was yeah. right, Steven,
1: that's sorry, that's what But on that point. Sorry, I'm sorry I'm going to corner a cross ass, but right. On that point, like Stephen like Stephen Kenny was very clear in the Sunday newspaper section of, of the press conference at the weekend where he came out and basically said that like he won Seamus Coleman leading Ireland there with the Euros you know, kind of, he, ref, he referenced Lichtensteiner and he kind of he even admitted he said listen he's, he's probably divulging too much of private conversations but he just felt the need to come out in support because of some of the stuff that was happening around Coleman and the criticism that he was getting just kind of backing backing him essentially and just talking about the fact that like he's actually been really good for Everton ordered up until that game against Spurs when they had an absolute nightmare at all as a, as a team and obviously it's been a struggle and what the lost again at was, didn't they? But he was talking about the fact that when they were playing with three at the back with Everton and he was at the wing back, he was he was doing really well and he looked comfortable even he slotted in once Sunday on, on the right side as well of the, of yeah, the tree. There, but, there was that
0: actually just on that there was the the Leeds game where they beat them 3-0. He was actually brilliant in that, scored the first goal and yeah, um, yeah. it was just positionally you know obviously we know him as a full back kind of wing back but just uh the positions he was taking up uh in terms of getting into the box or to the edge of the box like he was absolutely brilliant that day yeah no he was
1: and that's what kenny was referring to that as well and saying like if this was a 28 year old or 29 year old and he had a, a bad game he just put it down to that he's had a bad game but because he's over 30 now people are quick to yeah. kind of to, to write him off and maybe listen he's at a stage where he, maybe if he's going to be maintained in the premier league he maybe has to be managed a bit, bit differently in terms of the games because it's the same with Ireland where obviously he's had issues with his hamstring and like it's going to be a big thing coming up with the with the game with the windows and stuff and how many games he's going to be playing it's going to be difficult for him to play in every game but like he, the fact that Kenny was having the conversation with we pointing the delicious liner at Switzerland I think he was never tired saying that like he was doing it at 36 37 very similar type of player but this is this is what you can do, and this is where want, he wants him to lead in Ireland. they with the Euros in 2024, so uh I think that was it. Like a big thing for him to come out and support Of Not that I don't think Seamus Coleman needed to hear that from, from Stephen Kenny, but again, it's just an indication of just a manager kind of, kind of sticking up for for his player and his captain, you know.
3: It would yeah, be a fantastic thing to do, like if they get there and Seamus Coleman is captain. Sorry, Raf, I mean, that would be fantastic for the whole of our football because you know. The guy is, is a model, like in fairness, in terms of how he operates, how he talks in the media, how he's not, you know, he, he, he had brilliant time in GA, he speaks really well in terms of that, um, he's from Donegal, he, he had a great time with Sligo Rovers, and he's not, you know, you can see the humility in the guy, I, I just think it would be amazing if he was leading Ireland in 2024, you know. And you're right. You're right, Neil. Because
2: he, he brings so much more to the group. Like internally, like he's absolutely brilliant in and around the group. And right. every every player that comes into the squad, he has. You know, he's the first man over to welcome them. He'll know them. He'll know how they've been doing. He'll know, he knows the game inside out and the players inside out. And he's so important in that group. Yeah. And I think Stephen is a hundred percent right to come out and back him. Not that he needs backing. Like he's a top yeah. class player. Like he's a top class player. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. it. Has been for a number of years. And I don't think anyone would be doubting him. It's just that, look, in the Premier League, everything is highlighted, um, you know, because nothing is missed. And if you have a bad game, it's easy easy to point out the mistakes. But what he brings to the table is phenomenal in the group.
0: Yeah, and it also helps that Matt Doherty's in brilliant form. I was going to ask you about him, Neil, because... At the start of the season, obviously Emerson Royale was starting for Spurs, and Doherty, like it, there was a sense maybe that his career was drifting at club level at least. But the yes. last few weeks, he seems to have really pushed on. And again, there was a great piece in the Athletic by Michael Cox, where just it shows just that his role, like he's not a, he's never been one for pace, but it's again his positional ability, his abil- ability to interlink with players inside of him, that seems to have really brought um, his form back.
3: Yeah, like I think he's a, he's a modern fullback. I I think like in terms of his pace, I, like I think he's got a different engine at some points. Honestly, well, certainly than me anyway. Obviously, that's clear. But when he's he he has this kind of ability to cover the ground. It may not be pace off the off the off the cuff, but I think he's phenomenal going forward. I do, and I think he's a real asset to Ireland. And um, whether he's you know starting for Spurs or not. I and mean, you have to find a place for him to play because he brings so he like he, He's like Trent Alexander for Ireland almost, you know, in, in what he can potentially do for Ireland. Um, obviously, he doesn't take set pieces in that. Um, and, and another former League of Ireland player, too, right? It was an opposed he was with. So, like, these are all very positive stories. They're good guys. It seems to be the case that even the guys who aren't League of Ireland players, does it, you know, I know I'm, I'm very League of Ireland central here, but the likes of Duffy and that, they're all buying into this kind of honest, new ireland approach and we all work very hard together we we, you know we work we'll be behind stephen kenny we're tight as a group and we have ability and experience with that as well and i think he's a massive part of it going forward and i'm delighted to see him back in this first setup and and doing so well
0: yeah and just on the uh, final thing on the international scene um in regards to the goalkeepers gary um i'm sure that'll be a point of interest for me obviously we've got three great goalkeepers and shouldn't forget Mark Travers in there as well who's been great for Bournemouth this season uh, there's there's obviously two games so maybe three doesn't really fit into two but how would you like to see that managed because obviously Gavin Bizzuno owns the shirt, Queveen Kelleher as we've seen when he gets his cameos for Liverpool has been has been outstanding and then there's a possible the possibility of kind of getting Travers game time as well how do you think Kenny will go for it or how would you like to see Kind of deploy them over those two games,
2: yeah. Look, it's probably a complex enough issue because you obviously you've got three keepers there, um, and you need to kind of like for goalkeepers, like 45 minutes is just not great. Like, you know, you could you need to play, so like, whether I think you know it, it is difficult. Like, Keeveen has been unfortunate in terms of, like he missed out with injury and in key times when he probably would have got into the squad, and Gavin has benefited from that hugely. But Gavin has taken it by the boy to scruff of the neck uh, and, and been absolutely sensational, so. Um, and arguably, Mark Travers has had the best season today. He's playing at the highest standard regularly. Like I know Keevan is playing in the Premier League when he does play. In, but uh, Mark is, you know, he's the top keeper in in the championship right now with the most clean sheets. So it it, it is it, like it's, it's a hard one to kind of decipher what Stephen will do. And I don't think there's any doubt that he'll he'll definitely give. I think he'll give Kevin a game, Um, you know, whether he starts him in the Belgian game or the Lithuanian game. I think he'll play him in one of them. Um, and what he does like with Gavin and Mark in terms of like he knows what he's going to get from Gavin there, but it's important to keep him playing because he is a young keeper as well. So um yeah, whether he plays Mark or Gavin in the second game or the first game, I'm not hundred percent sure what way it'll go, but um I do think Keeving will get will get one of the games.
0: Yeah, so we'll be watching that uh, squad announcement with interest to see what names can make it in, but uh, now I think it's time to talk League of Ireland. We have two rounds of fixtures and uh, we're going to start with the Premier Division and Friday, Shamrock Rovers, he means 1-0 in the Derby. Finn Harps lost uh, 2-0 at home to St. Pat's obviously with the build up there from David who followed a few of the players up uh, in, in the lead up to that um, Shelburne uh, drew 1-1 with Dundalk Drada lost 3-0 at home to Sligo Rovers who we'll talk to, talk about a little bit in detail here because uh, they've been in great form in, over that weekend uh, UCD versus Derry was postponed and then on Monday uh, Pats beat UCD 2-0, Derry City beat Drada 2-0 as well, Sligo Rovers beat Finn Harps 3-1, Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers 2-0-0, and Bohemians and Shelburne in the Northside Derby, it was 1-1 at Daly Mount. But uh, let's start with Shamrock Rovers, Gary. Um, There's sort of a, just looking at the results, there's a bit of a disparity between their home and away form. At home, they seem to have kind of got past every challenge, including the Derby against Bohemians, which obviously was going to be tricky given the nature of that fixture. Um, but away from home no open, uh, no goals from open play yet um is, like what is the disparity what have you noticed about them where it's slightly different obviously with the caveat that the three away games they've had have been quite difficult
3: yeah look
2: i, I think i probably looking at shamrock rovers like at home you're always going they're always going to be difficult to beat and and you know you'll expect them to pick up the majority of the points at home uh, going away from home i think you know you probably underestimate the amount of games shamrock rovers have that are derbies you know you look at you know they're going to have shells, Bohemians, and um, St. Pat's, and Dundalk, like or not, is a derby for them as well because there's no love, love loss between Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers. So you look at all them games, it's going to be very difficult to win all them games. And the one thing that I would have noticed, uh, obviously, you look at the amount of midfielders they have, like and um, Watts, and Jack, and Mandrew, and Bork, and McCann, all these guys vying for for the same kind of position essentially. And, and there has been, you know. A little bit of there's been a few signs that all is not well in in that kind of group dynamic, and um, we were like I think it was Mandrik come off against Impact and, Sit and shake the manager's hand or the or the assistant managers and stuff like that. So like from the outside looking in, it just it, it's going to be hard to manage and keep everyone when they're not playing. When you have that sort of quality, like it's great having a really good squad and massive quality, but to keep everyone pulling in the right and in the same direction and keep that squad happy, that's the the difficulty. And I think um obviously going to Dundalk last night in a nil all draw. Um, you know, this is what I'm saying about Derby's and Dundalk games. To pick up all the, the maximum points. I think it's going to be it's going to be a huge challenge from this year. Obviously, Derry have have upped their game, and then Rory Higgins has come in and did really well last year when he came in, and now he's added a little bit more quality to the squad, and they look like a real threat. And, and obviously, St. Pat's and Sligo have started started really well as well. So it, it it's just a, it's a difficult one to kind of gauge. Like Shamrock Rovers would still be favourites to win the title, but it's just it's kind of a new challenge for them you know, um, and and for Stephen Bradley with with the amount of players that he's got there and, uh, like I said, the amount of derbies throughout the season, you know, to, to take maximum points from all of them is a massive ask.
0: Yeah, And David, I suppose, um, obviously you'll see Stephen Bradley post-match in terms of uh, the messaging he, he gives out to the media. Um, obviously, it's difficult when you've got that kind of strength in depth and then having to kind of leave players out and everything and rotate. Um, like, he does seem to suggest that, that there is no, no issue in terms of uh, keeping everybody happy and that uh, as, to, as the season rolls on, um, yeah. he'll be able to manage to do that. But, like, uh, when, what's your kind of reading of the situation?
1: Like it was one of the points at this when, when I think when everyone was doing the kind of their previews of the season, the one, the one, the one aspect you were looking at that you would, you would think would stop Rovers from running around, away from it would, is actually find that that dynamic early on and not because if you look at what happened last year, like they scored a lot. You kind of forget, like you mentioned, Irons, it's actually an interesting point the fact that they've only scored it, no no goals on free play away from home. So like. But like you look what happened last year, they scored so many late goals, um, within I think they scored like seven or eight goals after the eighty-eight minute in the first few months of the season, and they got so many wins on the back of that. Now all it takes is for a few of them, which has already happened not to happen, and then things look an awful lot tighter. Now over the course of a season, because they have got so many players and just so much quality, like the, the drop-offs doesn't, is, doesn't seem to actually be there in terms of the levels of those players. Over the course of a season, you would think that's going to be Stephen Bradley's job is to manage it because surely all those players will get will get opportunities. Like he like before the last week, obviously would have been at the Rovers training ground doing a media, doing media with, with Stephen Bradley and, and Dylan Watts, and even Dylan Watts kind of was just opening. He's like saying like, of course, has to. You're expecting competition. Like you want to be driven on every day and training, and you want this. And this maybe it's a different perspective because obviously this is not a professional footballer, but you kind of wonder like. Not that you want a degree of comfort, but you wonder how would some players react when they feel Maybe do you know what they—they they have to just be on it every every single day. Like there is no kind of leeway a little bit, and some players might actually thrive on that and want to get better. Will you be able to use that as motivation? And you wonder will will other players maybe not be able to kind of get the best out of where they feel? But you know what? If we have a bad twenty minutes in a game, I could, I could get hooked off here. Like they can't afford to even have that little dip because all players are going to feel that. So like I think Gary spot on like Rovers you would think because of the depth of the squad they have and the quality they have over the course of the season you would think that these issues would iron themselves out and like it doesn't look as if anybody's running away with it at the moment like it looks really tight which is very good from from a point of view of a bit of excitement but you would still get the feeling because of it, even how Stephen Bradley did manage it last year where obviously you know, Jack Bourne has come back into it now but he, he did manage that group of players last year and even Graham Burke spoke about that where there was a kind of an acceptance from a lot of players. Well, do you know what? You can't play if certain players are dealing with the business. But that's because they were winning. This is where the issue could come in when they're dropping points here and there, maybe. Will players then expect to get brought in? And if they're not, that's when there could be an issue over the course of the season.
0: Yeah, the sample size we're talking about, obviously, is just uh, three away games. So it's probably uh, quite small. Oh, you've, written written them off. Get...
1: you've written them off already. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Too late. No going back in it now.
1: It's getting. It's going to be getting hung up
0: in the dressing room. Yeah, no, look, we're all about narratives in the media and uh, narratives aren't uh, exactly what are worth what they're written on. But anyway, um, I suppose on Dundalk, Gary, um, they've made a solid start to the season under Stephen O'Donnell, uh, unbeaten, although it's just one win from those six. Um, in terms of where how they've progressed, uh, would do you think Stephen would be relatively happy with where they are?
2: Yeah, look, he'd be happy enough. Obviously, he would have liked to, you know, pick up. A, I think they conceded a late goal against against Shelburne. I think if that had have gone the other way, um, they would have been much happier with their lot, if you like. Um, look, they're, they're tipping away kind of nicely. The, um, you know, I think, you know, a European spot is what they'll be to be. You know, that'll be their target for the season. I don't think they have enough to mount uh, title challenges. I think there's, um, you know, but I do think, you know, every week they'll be difficult to beat, um, and, and Stevie, you know, I think he'll, he'll evaluate where he is in the summer and identify, identify maybe a couple of areas to improve the squadron because, look, he got the job, obviously, you know, late in the day, if you like, um, and he was building a, a squad from, from scratch, although he would have kept players that were there, like Pat Hoban and Brian Gartland and Andy Boyle and these guys, but like it, it is relatively, it's, it's his team, and there is a lot of new players, his new goalkeeper, and... Um, so he has a good bit of work to do, but I think he'll be happy with how he started that. And like I said, it depends on how they're going. I do think they'll be in the chase for Europe, and um, but I think they'll identify a couple of areas where they probably need to the strengthen. Then come the summer and and make a real push to to maybe to nick one of them European spots.
0: Yeah, and in terms of huben as well, who you mentioned there, obviously you played alongside him. Um, he scored a landmark 100th league goal for Dundalk there against Shells and then I suppose was unfortunate against uh, Shamrock Rovers last night with the, the missed chance late on. But again, great achievement. Uh, in regards to getting the best out of him and what, how he has generally thrived in the past, Like what's what's the kind of setup that's needed and what O'Donnell might be looking at in terms of trying to bring the best out of him and I suppose get those goals out of him?
2: Well, Pat, all Pat wants is balls in the box that's what he wants put the ball in the box (laughs) (laughs) and and I'll tell you that himself he'll be looking for as many crosses into that box as possible and obviously he would have played with Michael Duffy and Daryl Horgan and these guys and and, you know John Mountney and all these guys who supply impact and that's what he thrives off but like you know you talk about a player like hungry to score goals but he will work his socks off as well and you know in general play he's a brilliant Brilliant guy holding the ball up. Like if you can go, like although Pat is not the tallest, but if you can kick accurate ball into him and it's in front of him, you just know getting around it, he will win it. And he'll he'll obviously hold it up and he'll be all the time looking to get into that box to score goals. So it's it's about getting getting the delivery right and getting as many balls into the box as possible. And Pat, one thing for sure is uh, Pat will score goals for you, no doubt
0: yeah, you mentioned uh, Michael Duffy there, unfortunately, I think last night, um, in their in their win, like he was uh, he was carried off ten minutes after coming on. Uh, this is for Derry City, obviously. Um, and they' they've been they've started the season really well. and uh, I suppose Neil, given you know given that you know there was a lot of expectation on them. and then the fact that a lot of those players that had returned to the club who were expected to push them on haven't really been fully available, what Rory Higgins has done there is uh, is pretty remarkable so far.
3: Yeah, they're the one to watch at the moment, aren't they, Derry? Just to see, I think they're interrupting everything that we've kind of been used to in the League of Ireland for the last few years. They're going to be a real challenge uh, for Rovers, I think, if not this year, maybe next year. Um, I think given the backer that they have, given the guys they've been able to bring in, you know, there's been Derry guys spread around the league Mm. for a long time who were winning leagues with, you know, either Dundalk or Rovers. They've got a lot of them back, um, that used to be a problem with Cork clubs as well, where our best players would, would, would get spread out. And if you get them back, you can challenge. And um, That seems to be the project. They're nearly there. Um, I think this year, just looking from like virtually from the outside completely, it's very hard to, to do all that change in a year. Rory Higgins is doing a brilliant job. Obviously, he's got great experience himself playing with Derry. Um, and he was part of a, of a very successful Derry team that we, we were competitive with when I was playing. And uh, he'll know how to get it back to that level, you know, and Stephen Kenny being his manager then, they were at such a level, you know, where they were winning rounds of Europe, I think he'll look at the broader picture here and say this year is probably a year to challenge next yeah. year and the year after is to kind of move on and, and try and win the league, you know Um, but but it's very exciting for the league because we need this kind of uh, movements of, of, of strong clubs like Derry uh, getting stronger, getting traditionally strong clubs actually in, in good health, if you know what I mean Yeah, and
0: Jamie McGonagall's form, I think, uh, given which has offset maybe the players that haven't been available, uh, Gary, like he's been brilliant so far this season. Uh, One of his finishes there over the weekend uh, was just, it was kind of similar to the one he finished off uh, against Shamrock Rovers.
2: Yeah, he's been a revelation. Um, Like he he started the season like a house in fire. Was at the the first game in Dundalk and he was brilliant in that game. Um, And again, look, he scored another couple of goals and, like he's a powerful man. He's a big, strong guy, but he's very, very quick. And you know, you look at the, the goal he scored against Shamrock Rovers. You know, you know he had an awful lot of work to do in that goal, but my God, he did it well and finished it really well. And he's been brilliant. But the guys in around them, the likes of Patching and Dummigan, are top-class players that they would have brought in. Obviously, Duffy and McIlenny. We have yet to see the best of them because they've been hampered a little bit by injury. But Brandon Kavanagh has come in, and he would have been kind of seen as a you know, a, a similar player to Patrick McElhenney. And, and you look at what Rory has done, you kind of bring in two similar players that, you know, that have got really good quality on the ball. So like Derry, you know, they've lost Harkin to injury, which is a big blow for them because he's great there in the engine room. But I think, you know, if they, they, they'll be there, or thereabouts. I think they'll put a really good um, title challenge together and, and they'll keep Shamrock Rovers on us. And that's, that's for sure. But McGonagall has been a sensation. And um, like, I know Rory would have played with him. Uh, up in the uh, in the Northern League and um, like he's a big fan. But he he's identified and brought him in and like he's um, he's putting his hand up to be top scorer already.
0: Yeah, and uh, same pats quickly, uh, David. Uh, before you have to switch your car engine on and uh, leg yeah. it to the <laughs> leg it to the presser. Um somebody uh, in your car journey uh, who was sort of this background character throughout your, to, throughout the Finn Harps piece was Owen Doyle and. Uh, just as they've turned things around he started to get his nose back for goal again and a couple of goals over the against Finn Harps and then against UCD uh, which is crucial for them now going forward
1: yeah no, absolutely like it was um you were talking about narratives earlier i think the longer he had a wins without a goal people would have started asking questions but obviously it was going to be <laughs> There was no doubt that he was obviously going to score and then hit the ground one a little bit there and his goal against Finn Harps. Although I still think it could have been an own goal because he kind of the header seemed he to come off the post and then off the, off the goalkeeper. But I'm sure Gary won't be uh, giving the goal to, giving an OG to the goalkeeper. Yeah, like he, he was he was being credited
0: with it in a few places anyway. Yeah, so I think we we'll just know. give it to him.
1: And then last night I was actually I was at Richmond Park last night and uh, yeah his goal was to, well, his goal was well on the chest kind of in the six yard box where you, where you expect. I'm talking about like Darrell Burns, that, that cross in was, was very good. And then, uh, yeah, like I, th- I think with Pats, like they have little spells. I don't think they have quite clicked at all yet, which, again, you don't really expect them to, considering the other changes. And obviously a new manager as well. And like as the game went on, like they gave up a couple of chances to UCD. Like, UCD know, could have had a couple of goals, I think, either side of the goals when, when Pats did score. And that was the same up with Finn Harps as well. So, like obviously, they're top of the table at the moment. But I think Tim Clancy will know that if they need to... Not that they were loose, but there was a couple of occasions where like a better team might have actually punished them on both occasions. I think they were kind of fortunate that it was Finn Harps and UCD because on another night, if they had given those chances to say McGonagall, they would have been punished, you know. Um, But I think that there's been enough encouragement there with Pats that you would say, you know what, that Tim Clancy, in fairness, when he's come in and like because of the amount of changes that would have happened following obviously uh, Stephen O'Donnell leaving and the, uh, the overhaul of players, He's, he's still kind of keeping the show on the road there a little bit and they should get they should get stronger and even the point sorry as well that Neil made us on, on Derry I think I spoke to Rudy Higgins after the Shells game at that game he said you kind of said listen the priority this year is just to qualify for Europe and and see what and see what happens and that's fair I and mean, then you even see what happened. I think they confirmed this morning that um, Michael Duffy has a fractured tibia in that in, from that tackle. So he's gonna be out now for for a little while. And this is what goes back to over the course of the season teams are going to be having these setbacks and that's why kind of just, just fail even even though they haven't started at blistering pace I think over the course of a year I and mean, when the European game comes and there's a bit more extra traveling and, and I just think that maybe that's what will give Rovers the edge over the course of the season.
0: Yeah, blistering pace isn't what you need now because your journey is going to be a lot shorter <laughs> <laughs> and a lot know, quieter yeah. as well compared to. Okay, there's, there's, there's a lot.
1: There's a lot of speed cameras over in bland. I can tell
0: you. So you have to be careful. <laughs> so, David, look, thanks Emil, And uh, your All piece right. again, for people who are looking for it, it's the, on the 42, published on Sunday morning. And it's the two Finn Harps lads. Absolutely brilliant, pe- brilliant piece and brilliant read. David, best of luck and uh, enjoy the presser.
1: Cheers! Thanks very much. Thank
0: you. All right, so uh, David has headed off to that uh, under twenty one press conference, so it just leaves us uh, Gary and Neil uh, just to to run through the rest of uh, the weekend's uh, results and I suppose more the kind of the the grander narratives to to reuse that word. I suppose Bohemians. I mean, they they actually played reasonably well in the second half of the derby, but still, kind of uh, you know they, they lost one nil Shamrock Rovers in the end, and then against Shelburne they showed resilience to score a late goal, but they seem to I, maybe the issue for them is converting chances into goals, Gary.
2: Yeah, look, I, I think you know, the, the game against Sharmac Rovers, I think they were unfortunate with the with missing Almanchero for that game because he's a huge part of what they do, like, he's the focal point for the attack. And you know, he got sent off up in Finn Harps uh, wrongly, in my opinion, to be honest with you. And that would have cost them because it upsets the whole dynamic of the squad when you're missing your, your, your target man a bit, like you know, Georgie Kelly last year, he was so important for them. I know promise would have come in and filled in for Georgie really well last year, but now he's taken on the mantle and he's the 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 number nine. Look, they haven't been as fluent as they would like yet. I think, you know, with the players that uh, Keith has coming in, it's just getting that kind of, uh, I suppose, fluidity around the squad and everyone knows their roles and getting his, his best 11. Like you look at the squad, he's got huge talent and great quality. You look at Mallon, we haven't even spoken about the flick from Mallon, but that the player of that sort of talent in, in the group and, and you know, have got really good, uh, talented players. Like Dawson Devoy has yet to hit the top form as well. So it's just about getting that that whole group right. Um, I think this time last year they would have lost a lot of games. So their start hasn't been, I suppose, blistering, but it like said, they're still in the mix. And I think, you know, once they get get things right, um, you know, they, they will kick on a little bit. And, and they haven't been conceding a lot of goals, but they haven't been scoring as much as they would like either.
5: Yeah,
0: and Shelburne, obviously Sean Boyd coming up trumps in the last two games, um, scoring... Late penalty to draw with Dundalk, and then um, he also, with his first touch uh, against Bohemians, he he scored the first goal there last night at Daily Mount. But um, Neil, I suppose on them again because of Damien Duff's presence there, there's a lot of fo- there's naturally a lot of focus on them. Like, how do you feel they've started this season? Because there's been there's been a few kind of ups and downs, and there's only been yeah. been that one league victory so far.
3: I think they've done well enough, you know, like uh, my fear at the start of the year would be that they'd be one of the bottom teams, I suppose, you know, having come up and the change from Mars to Duff and that that's a lot to to kind of, you know, take on for your first year in the Premier Division, you know, for for a while. And um, I think they've done fine. They seem to me... Again, it looks like they're a little bit better than the teams at the bottom, and probably that's what they'll want. Like, you know, at mid table, I could be wrong now. They'll get me wrong. I'm not, uh, they may have ambitions that are her- higher than that. But for me, if you're coming up, you want to stay up first year. And I think the last few games they've shown that. I, I watched the game on on, on TV against, um, it was Pats, wasn't it? And, and Forrester kind of ran the game, and-, and they were disappointing enough that night, but there was a massive crowd. It was great to see Talca Park like that. I mean, I, I've been missing Talca Park since it uh, since it stopped being that kind of entity, which was a, a great uh, place for for Irish football. You know, um, and it, it's brilliant to see them back as as a as a challenge in the Premier Division. It's interesting from a Bowes point of view. Bowes, in my opinion, have done really well. You know, with their model and, and the the, two, the manager and assistant managers they have are, are, are fantastic. But I think they're coming under challenge now of you know and. An, and increasingly strong, obviously Derry, Pats being still strong, um, Dundalk kind of steadying their ship with, 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 with Stephen, um, Sligo being very strong. Um, it, it just puts Bowe's under a little more pressure. They do have great players like Gary's suggesting still, which is great and, and makes it very interesting. And with Shells kind of coming behind them now as well, it makes for a very interesting Premier Division, to be fair. Um, but I, to be, fair, if I was Damien Duff, <laughs> that would be great. But if I was Damien <laughs> Duff, uh, I would be happy enough with what they've done so far. But hoping that they'll they'll drive on from here and, and have a kind of mid mid table kind of finish would, would be my you know achievement for for the year for them.
0: Yeah, as Neil said, there uh, Sligo look really strong, and they've you know they they would have been under scrutiny as well, maybe similar to Bose, and that they lost a few players, and people were probably looking at them in a sense of. Are they going to slip out of that top four? They've started really well. Aiden Keane with a hat trick uh, last night against Finn Harps. I suppose Gary, um, the I suppose it's 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 great for them to have the likes of Liam Buckley, who knows the league well and is is going to I suppose steady that ship and isn't really necessarily going to panic regardless of what happens um, in the off season.
2: Yeah, it looks Sligo like, oh, have been like they've had a terrific start to the season. I think you know. Huge credit has to go to Liam Buckley and and, and his staff. You know, for and you know, the players that they lost like John Madden and Johnny Kenny, and you know to replace him, make Aiden Keane has been a you know, sensation. Like you know, he had to come to last night, and you know he's really hit the ground running. I think um, the people, one thing about Sligo, it's a brilliant football town, and it's a great club to play for. And I think he'll, you know, because he started so well, I think he'll really enjoy that and embrace it down there because it, it's just one of those places that. You know, if you're if you're doing well for Sligo Rovers, it's like look, it's a bit like Neil tells it's a bit like playing with a really good core team. It's all about Sligo Sligo Town. Sligo Rovers It's all about Sligo Rovers. It's you know, it's it's a great place to play football. And I think you know the players that they've brought in will will grasp that obviously because they've started the season so well, and the new players will bed in a little bit more, a little bit more quickly. You have still got the likes of Gary uh, Gary Buckley and Ed McGinty, who I think is top class goalkeeper, and um, and Greg Bulger and these guys who who are you know, street-wise and know the league inside-out. So they have that core group of guys with know-how and then the signers that they've brought in, like Fitzgerald has done well as well, like he's got great pace and quality. So, you know, I think, you know, everything is pointing in the right direction for Sligo Rovers. I do think that, you know, I suppose at the start of the season, it would have been a little bit of an unknown how they were going to get on. And I think, you know, they've hit the ground running, obviously going up to Inchicore, winning their first game and that's really set the tone for them. And I think, um yeah, that they've started so well. I think they'll be able to maintain it. Obviously, the worry is the size of the squad. Like, if like you know the teams that don't have the, as big a budget as the likes of Shamrock Rovers, is that squad uh, size and, and keeping everyone fit. So that, that will, uh, if they pick up injuries, that can hurt them. But I think you know it all goes well for Sligo right now.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Cork City there as a. Uh, great football in town. So that brings us to the first division and uh, the last That's couple scary. of weeks. Yeah, no, it's, per- <laughs> it's perfect and perfectly time for Neil there. So uh, yeah, Friday on Friday... Uh, Bray Wanderers uh, lost 3-1 at home to Galway United Cork City beat uh, Cove 2-0 in the Cork Derby Waterford beat Wexford 2-1 Treaty versus Longford didn't go ahead obviously with all the weather conditions and everything else then on Monday as in last night for anybody listening to it it's uh, Athlone Town who lost 3-2 at home to Cove great result for Cove there to get up and running Uh, Cork City beating Waterford 2-0 which we're going to talk about in detail here now because Neil was obviously there and it's Mm -hmm. sort of a landmark win in a way, Uh, Longford Town lost 2-1 at home to Bray who are also up and running now. and Galway United continue their good start with a 2-1 win over Treaty I suppose Neil, uh, as you said you said to me before we hit record, you were over at uh, Turner's Cross and I suppose first before we get into the results against Waterford and off the back of a good win over Cove, uh, they're really getting the crowds in down there
3: Yeah, it's brilliant, it's absolutely brilliant I mean you're in the first division, they got 5,000 roughly, just under 5,000 against Galway, first home game got about four, over four against Co Ramblers last Friday, which, like traditionally, even when we were playing in the Premier Division and Ramblers were in the Premier Division, we were doing well to get four. Like we're playing in the first division here, a team that wasn't uh, probably established as as a contender, even, even up till Friday, I would say. So there was a bit of kind of wanting to see where we were at. But on Monday, then last night, there was 3,000 on a Monday night after 4,000. So it's phenomenal figures for the first division, obviously it's great for the club um, what's brilliant is that there's a group of young fellas especially last night were kind of buoyant now after them last night because they played really get well against Waterford similarly to, in my view the for the Premier Division has kind of set a kind of already perhaps a kind of a demarcation light in, in terms of the bottom three perhaps in the top three in the first division are clearly it seems to me Above uh, the rest, in, in a sense, and they're fighting for two positions, you know, and they're full time, from all accounts. That's Galway, Waterford, and Cork. Um, so we've seen Galway in Turner's Cross in the first game of the season. There wasn't a lot between the two teams. Um, Galway, the man sent off, which made it kind of awkward for a young Cork side, but uh, they've done well since last night. In particular, Waterford came, and we were all interested in seeing what this Waterford team like, and and they were good. They were very physical. Great athletic guys clearly will have a lot to say on how the league goes on in the year ahead. But Cork dominated the game and they, they came in, in with the right attitude. They, um, there was a few guys who were established over the last year or so, like like Bolger in midfield, Aaron Bolger, that is, and um, Coffee, who, who were who were the two in midfield for Cork probably towards the end of last year. And Colin was happy with them. Obviously, Colin being a midfielder himself would be kind of, you know, good, very good in this area. But he's added a young lad named Matt Healy has come back on loan from Ipswich, and, and was pretty much nearly man of the match last night. Um, and they've had a lovely balance to them. The other thing I'd say, sorry, I could talk forever now because we're, we're delighted <laughs> with him last night. That it, he went to a, a back uh, a 3-5-2 because his two wingers, who who are Mcglade and, and Duna, well, two of his wingers, are injured. Um, and it, it brought in two wing backs, two very honest but very good wing backs, guys come through the academy, Dara Crowley and Keane Bargary, who played brilliantly for Athletic. So it bodes well for Cork because they can now go from a 3-5-2 to a four-four-two with those wingers when they're back if they want. They had other injuries last night. Their their Coleman, their their captain, was injured, and they still put on a performance that this crowd will be back again. I can tell you that for nothing, in, in, in two, you know, in our next home game. Um, and it's it's fantastic. The only thing I suppose, from my own point of view, is that it's 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 it. I would like to see the off-field scenario with the Grove Preston thing. We won't properly have time to go into it today. Resolve itself one way or the other. Because whilst this is all going well and fine on the pitch, which is brilliant and fair, juice to the club and everyone involved, we need some kind of confirmation of the future there. You know whether it's they're going on or not. It's just this is taking too long from my point of view. So there's yeah. a long uh, <laughs> summary for you, Ralph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, won't, <laughs> we won't necessarily end it there
0: because I think one thing, as you said, it bodes well the way they um, the way they beat Waterford, who are worth pretty much the favorites in the first division uh, the the challenge for them like they started the season off with that 6 nil win over Braith you know, and then they got you know they, they were pegged back by Galway then the following week the challenge now I guess is to build on this what is a really good 2 nil win over a really good Waterford side and not get caught the next time because I suppose that can happen to teams sometimes where can get a great and result and then drop off
3: and they're still young lads like the majority of them like like there's very few of those lads if any I kind of think now Mark McNulty, maybe who were involved in the team that won a double and all that, you know, would have been up against Gary for for for, for with Dundalk as a kind of rivalry. Very few of those lads left at all, so this is a new group, um, you know, entirely, um, and almost except for Mark, maybe. And and it can happen to a new group that they start well and and can and can lose. The only thing I'd say is that they have momentum now at an early part of the season. They've had a kind of setback with the Galway match. You'd be hoping it's a long year, it's a long year, and to be fair to Waterford, I think Ian Morris would probably just think they didn't turn up in the first half last night and turn this cross for whatever reason. Um, and they did better in the second half playing into the shed, but but and they'll they'll learn from it too. And um, so it's 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 going to be a very interesting uh year in, in terms of those three teams. There's a few teams below, like I, I had the opportunity to see Cove as well, they had a good win last night, uh, and they're improving what they're doing off the pitch as well, is very interesting in terms of their connection with Villarreal and uh, Burnley kind of partnerships uh, you know rather than a connection as such uh, and, and there's a lot going on there there's a lot of positive things but I think the three teams at the top of the league this year will, will kind of it'll generate interest in the league first division perhaps that well from my point of view that there hasn't been for a while maybe you know the, f- yeah.
2: the first division has been brilliant so far because
3: I, I actually was down at that game
2: in uh, in Cork where it was like for the goal game and to be honest Cork were probably unlucky Look the man yeah. uh, were well, being sent off. It nearly suited Galway because they had the, the man sent yeah. off and they were able to, they were able to sit in. The because McLeod had gone off in that game, that little bit of trickery that you would have wanted in tight areas was, was gone good. out of the team. And look, it, it was a terrific uh, occasion, I suppose. From Carl's point of view, they would have liked to get the win off the back of uh, having such a great crowd. But like, they really kicked on. And then Colin obviously did a good job last year where he's blooded a lot of these young players. And you're right in what you say about Mahili Mahealy came on in that game against Galway. And he was outstanding. Yeah. Like he really caused a lot of problems, um, and linked up well. But Gary, the young guy from the academy as well. So look, there's lots of positive in that first division. The crowds, Galway are getting great crowds as well. I haven't seen Waterford yet this year, but I've seen Galway and uh, and Cork. And look, the signs are signs are good for for, for them teams in the first division.
5: Yeah,
0: and uh, also Cork City were involved in the Women's National League, so which is what we're going to turn to now. But first, um, there's an interview with P-Mount's Anya Gorman and Shelburne's Abby Larkin. All right, so I'm delighted to be joined by women's national team duo Anya Gorman and Abby Larkin for the launch of this year's Aviva Soccer Sisters Easter Camps. The three-day camps opened all girls aged 6 to 14. It will get underway from April 12th. Registration for this year's Aviva FAI Soccer Sisters Easter Camps will open at 2 p.m. on Monday, March 21st, and can be accessed via www aviva.ie soccer sisters for more information for more information and to keep up to date on this year's camps follow aviva ireland on facebook twitter and instagram and uh anya and abby i hope you're all uh hope you're all keeping well on this slightly overcast uh tuesday <laughs> afternoon but uh anyway like i suppose to, to kick straight in like we'll talk about international club matters because it's kind of relevant to both of you um Anya, i suppose the Pinnatar cup it was uh there was good progress for Ireland and we're less than a month now to the resumption of the World Cup qualifiers and this big game against Sweden. So how confident are you feeling as a squad?
6: Yeah, Raf, it's a it's a really important, I think, um, time in the international calendar where you can get together um, and play a couple of friendly games and everyone could get game time and the likes of Abby got her first international cap and came on in the second game against Wales. And that's an invaluable experience, I think, as well. And that time together, something we maybe missed on in the previous, missed out on in previous years due to COVID. And um, so, yeah, look, it's it's great preparation there for us and off the back of a successful um 2021 going into 2022 and, and looking forward to the challenge against Sweden there next month.
0: Yeah, I suppose Ani, as a veteran of more than 100 caps now. Probably the memory of that, of, you know, stepping out for the first time is probably a long, long way away, like all the way back to 2006. So, Abby, I suppose for yourself, um, getting that first opportunity, that first call and first realisation that you're going to be playing uh, for the Ireland senior team. Uh, but like, wh- how did you find out that you were you were called in and what was that feeling like?
5: Yeah, so my mom knew actually before me, she knew two or three days before me, but she wasn't allowed to tell me. She had to keep it a secret. And so we had a home base training on Wednesday and Vera called me, my mom and dad over and said to me that we think you're ready and it's time for you to come up and experience what it's like at senior level. Okay, perfect.
0: Yeah, and then to step out onto the pitch against Russia to make your debut, uh, you know, wearing the Ireland jersey, I'm sure you've dreamed about doing it. It must be an amazing feeling.
5: Yeah, like it's been a dream since I was younger and even like watching them when I was younger. I would never think that at the age of 16 I'd be able to play with them, which is obviously an unbelievable experience and I'll actually never forget it.
0: Yeah, and Anya, I suppose as a senior player who's been there kind of a long time and kind of experienced those same sort of, um, I suppose, that same journey of kind of establishing yourself in the team, Uh, When kind of younger players come in, do you kind of go out of your way to impart advice or is it a case of, um, you know, once they take the initiative to come to you, then you're able to impart uh, whatever advice you might have for them?
6: Yeah, look, I think um, Abby kind of stepped into the camp and she was surrounded by a few younger players and and Ella Malloy and um, like I think she just took it in her stride and she kind of goes out and plays at Mount Fair, has all the talent, technical ability. Um, and she showed that in in the game against Russia, I think, as well. And um yeah, I would have chatted to Abby um during the week and just told her to go and enjoy the game and um, she was giving me tips too. I think we were talking one day around the table after training and she goes, Anya, you just have to believe in yourself. I was
5: like,
0: okay, be, Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a perfect two way street. Um, but obviously, you've had the experience in this qualifying campaign of those kind of gritty games. There was the Sweden game where you were obviously unlucky, just with the you know that that goal that went in for Sweden could have gone the other side of the post easily. But then to follow it up then with resilience against Finland to win in such a landmark game, um, like are they, those the kind of templates you're looking at for this Sweden away game now next month?
6: Get look, and um, we put in a great performance um, against Sweden. I think we showed great resilience um, in that game, and we are actually kind of pushing them um, all the way till till the end of the game. We had them on on the back foot as well, so we can take that as a positive um, going into the next game. But I think Sweden's a game that was off the back of the Olympics, and they'd won silver medal, and they probably should have probably should have won gold. And I think they've kind of built up a bit more momentum since then with their. And friendly games in the last international window as well so look, it's going to be a Sweden team that, that's back at the top of their game as well you can see Black's over play for Arsenal, banging in goals scored um, two goals at the weekend so running no illusions it's going to be a really tough task and a really good challenge and a chance for us to test ourselves against the best of the world and and see where, where we're at and it's one we're really looking forward to
0: Yeah, and before then, of course, there's plenty of league action domestically between P-Mount and and Shelburne and a sort of resumption of what wasn't exciting last season and the season before. Uh, Abby, I guess for yourself, uh, the last year has been really exciting when you kind of go back to your debut against Galway um, and also doing that in style, getting player of the match and then scoring as well, which is amazing. And also at the same time of kind of shells pushing for the league, like, so I presume, did you put yourself under any pressure given the club had kind of ambitions of pushing for a league title, but at the same time, you know, you're only coming in at the age of 16. And I suppose there shouldn't really be any pressure on you um, individually.
5: Yeah, I, I didn't really feel any pressure. I think I was just, the nerves were kind of getting at me because I obviously didn't want to let the team down. And I'm obviously up there for a reason. So... I'm just gonna do what I normally do and just focus on the games, not let anything get away.
0: Yeah, and being part of a you know a squad that goes on to win the league, and especially in the dramatic circumstances in which it occurred, it must be brilliant and kind of amazing as well.
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, even like I don't think we were actually expecting to win the league. We thought Piemont had it, but sorry, Anya. <laughs> but
6: um, I wanna talk about this. <laughs>
0: Um yeah, it was obviously an unbelievable night like, winning the league. So yeah, and uh, as as you kind of alluded to there uh, in, in regards to Anya, obviously probably not the the best night to remember from a P. P-Mount point of view. But you know, um, I was listening to Karen Duggan speaking to, to Durandus, Catlin McNamee a few like I think it was straight after the straight after that that night. Um, as the I suppose as tables turned um, at the top of the league and. Uh, Karen Duggan was kind of saying like she had that kind of feeling of wanting to go out straight back onto the pitch and kind of start the league all over again I guess is that the same emotion for yourself and in a way is that sort of a positive given you're looking to bounce back more or less straight away
6: Yeah I think the only positive we can take from the nature when we lost the league last year is that it's going to motivate us for this season and a lot of lessons to be learned and it will it will just better us going forward I think into this year and got off to a good start and but there's a, it's still a long long way to go
0: yeah, you've had um, 10 goals now in, in two games, so that is that is a brilliant start. I guess yourself first, um, you know, I suppose last season maybe people looked at it as a kind of uh, two-team league at the top in the end, but Wexford were very close by and then they obviously went and won the Cup as well. So are you looking at this season sort of as a three-way battle at the very top as it progresses?
6: Look, I think um, obviously Shells will be strong. Wexford are going to be strong this year. I think that they, they will be contenders and pushing for the... For the league again and um, this year, and I think Dialore, Galway, and them clubs won't be too far behind. At improving all the time. Sligo, Sligo just new into the league. and um, this year's gonna be an invaluable experience for them and I think they will they will go on and go from strength to strength. Yeah, and
0: Abby, I suppose finally on the Shell's point of view, of course, you're you're defending the title and Unfortunately, the, the game at the weekend didn't go ahead, but you started with a win against Bohemians on the on the opening day. Uh, how confident are you as a squad kind of going forward and, I suppose, being involved in that battle that Anya's uh, talking about there?
5: Yeah, I, I think we're pretty confident. We had a good win against Bowles. Only 1-0, but we probably could have got more goals. But um, that's we can't do anything about that. Um, but, yeah, I think we're confident. We can't really, like, drop the heads around because, you know, like... We did win the league last year, but it's obviously going to, the, there's a lot more work that we need to work on as a team. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, yeah,
0: yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that progresses now over over this year between both club and international. So, Anya and Abby, thanks a million uh, for taking the time and looking forward to see how you get on both uh, domestically and obviously um, looking forward to seeing Ireland against Sweden on the 12th of April as well. So, thanks very much.
6: Thank
0: you. Okay, that was Anya Gorman and Abby Larkin. Uh, the Viva Soccer Sisters camps take place from Monday, 4th of April to Friday, 15th of April, at participating clubs nationwide and open to all girls aged six to fourteen. And uh, in terms of the results over the weekend in the Women's National League, so games were called off between Treaty and Cork and Westford and Shelburne on Saturday. But the games that did go ahead was Bohemians one at Lone One, Galway nil, pmount four. So pmount continue their good start of the season. That's 10 goals in two games for them. The new Newcomers, Sligo Rovers, lost 3-0 at home to DLR Waves, and uh, I suppose finally, before we we check out the fixtures that are coming up this uh, Friday, um, before the international break, uh, Manchester City uh, in the Premier League last night, uh, Bristol Palace, who have now kept them scoreless, uh for in both their games this season, which is quite a remarkable feat for Patrick Vieira's side. and um, did either Either you get to catch any of the highlights or uh, what I suppose maybe in the grander and to use the word narrative again in terms of the title race with Liverpool playing Arsenal, everything kind of bunches together. Um I suppose Gary, I'll throw that one at you.
2: Yeah look at I suppose it's great to see a title race. I think you know Liverpool and Manchester City are battling it out. Obviously the battle's going on for for fourth place as well. But you know, Liverpool are really hitting their stride and, are, and in really good form. Uh, obviously, you've seen, seen the, the goals of the weekend. Obviously, there's a bit of uh, ongoing with, with Mohamed Salah and getting his contract across the line, possibly. But, you know, it's great to have a title race. Hopefully, um, it'll go down to the wire because like they are two excellent sides and obviously still in, in, in Champions League football as well. So, there's lots of football to, to look forward to, to there.
3: I'm a Liverpool fan myself, and I think they've been brilliant. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention, actually, uh, Berto Lopez in the African League. I mean, he, literally, the guy was marking Mane, you know, and, and he had a, he had a fantastic, you know, he, he represented the League of Ireland very well in the groups in the group stages. He was man in a match in every game. But but he he, he basically a, a League of Ireland player playing at, in the international stage, right, against the likes of Mane. Uh, I just think that's worth mentioning, right, and doing really well flying the flag. But bring it back to Liverpool. Uh, Mane is my favourite player, actually. Yeah. Um, I have a, an ongoing thing about Mane versus Saleh with, with friends of mine. But it's Quiveen Kelleher. I have to mention the Cork man. Uh, he may play a role here yet in the league. Uh, you know, you, you don't know. He's done he's done everything uh, that has been asked of him. Each time, I know, obviously, you know, the guy in front of him is is phenomenal. And um, but it bodes well. And 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 look, it's very exciting that there's a there's a title race, as Gary was saying.
0: Yeah, I presume you would have enjoyed the Africa Cup of Nations final then, with Mane kind of getting one over. Yeah, you know, I did. I did. I did. That
3: was exactly <laughs> that thing. That exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, look, uh, we've uh, there's a few fixtures this weekend, of course, as well, and one TV game too. So, but first in the women's national league. Uh, P will be playing Treaty on Saturday at five o'clock. Cork City playing Sligo Rovers at five as well, and then at six Galway United versus DLR Waves, Bohemians versus Wexford all at the same time, and then at seven o'clock at Lone Town versus Shelburne. And uh, in terms of the uh, the men's game, and this is the these are the last fixtures before the uh, international break, where we'll be switching focus to Ireland and Stephen Kenny and games against Belgium and Lithuania. But on Friday, uh, UCD play Bohemians at five o'clock at the ball. Derry City play, uh, play St. Pat's at the Ryan mcbride Brandywell Stadium. That's a 7.45 kickoff. Shelburne play Finn Harps, Drada up against Dundalk and then Shamrock Rovers against Sligo Rovers. And it's the loud derby there between Drada and Dundalk that is going to be uh, live on RT2 and the RT player. I presume, um, Gary, you're going to be making your way up to that one uh, rather than sitting at home.
2: Yeah, no, I'll definitely, I, I, I'm, to be honest, I don't know whether I go to Tron and Dundalk or Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers. I think there's, there's loads of good games the weekend and, and Derry and St. Pat's we'll, we'll find out a lot, I suppose, off the back of that game. I think that'll be probably the most interesting one. You know, two teams that have had really good starts this season Obviously, these St. Pat's with four wins from six and you know, Derry at top of the table. So it's, um, yeah, there's lots of good games so definitely I'd be encouraging people to get out there. I think there's been a really good momentum in terms of the amount of people that are going to watch games uh, which is which is brilliant i like to like see people going to support their own clubs um, which is which is terrific i'm sure neil would, would agree with me on that really? to get out get out to your local club like there's great crowds in cork and galway and all, and all over the country it's brilliant
0: yeah and in the first division of course uh, treaty united will be playing cork city and i presume again uh, this might we might be seeing neil trekking over to limerick for that one um or have you made plans <laughs> yet it's, I've seen three,
3: it's, off, it's off the back I, of
0: St. Patrick's Day as well so I don't know well, I yeah, I would
3: see. but I, I've seen Treaty play against Coven, actually you should mention them because last year they were, in their first year they were fantastic in the league they're they're a challenge to the top 3 they should probably be mentioned in, in that light they, they might be one who can break into it and I wouldn't rule that out either because uh, they've done so, so much good work um, but I probably won't make the treaty match out day. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough.
0: Um, and uh, also, uh, that night later on, it's Wexford uh, versus Longford Town, uh, Athlone Town versus Galway United, Cove Ramblers versus Bray Wanderers. And I think that actually brings us to a close. So, uh, Gary and Neil, um, enjoy your weekends, enjoy St. Patrick's Day and everything that, that has to offer this year. And uh, sure, we'll, be, we'll all be back at some stage of the podcast uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, best of luck and also thanks to uh, David Snead as well for popping in.
1: Thanks, Rod.